That means pausing and doing some kind of like internal alignment check, kind of assessing your own internal fulfillment. And it's okay if it's not okay. Welcome to On Your Terms with Erin King, a show about living a life you truly love. Here's Erin. Hello, everyone. Erin King here, and welcome to today's episode of On Your Terms. Today, I'm so excited to bring to you the one and only Tanisha Jackson Warner. She's the founder and CEO of Igami Group, which is an award-winning multicultural marketing firm, which was recently named one of Adweek's top 100 fastest growing marketing agencies. She is an absolute dynamo speaker, a two-time author, and she's creator of the Dream Project Symposium. She wrote a book called The Big Stretch, 90 Days to Expand Your Dreams, Crush Your Goals, and Create Your Own Success. She has won multiple awards, including the Black Enterprise Rising Star Award, Black Enterprises 40 Under 40, Ad Color MVP, Network Journals 40 Under 40, and she has also been featured, besides Success Magazine Today, in Forbes, Fast Company, Entrepreneur, Essence, Ad Age, and many more. Holy moly, I am so excited for this conversation. Tanisha, welcome to the show, friend. Thank you so much, Erin, for having me. I am thrilled to be here. Oh my gosh. Well, we already talked all things Birmingham, Alabama, where my husband's born and raised. And (laughs) so just to kick things off to be uh, a little bit more hyper local than we probably should. We have a listenership that's all over the world, but Auburn or Alabama? Oh, roll tide or war eagle. (laughs) I'm going to say I'm going to say Auburn because my best friend, one of my best friends just moved there. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Well, I I married into an Alabama Roll Tide family. I don't understand why it is so important, but it is all they talk about. So back to us and what matters most, which is your incredible trajectory as an entrepreneur. I cannot wait to talk to you. I'm a fellow agency owner. I ran a social media agency for 10 years. We ran social media for everyone from the Oscars in Hollywood to the United States Navy, like Visa, Target, Siemens, J&J, Hilton, you name it, we tweeted it. So I know sort of the journey that you've been on a little bit in terms of managing not only your personal brand, but also your teams, your clients, staying on top of what's new, next, and trending. It is not a low-stress job. It is high expectations. It is high pace. So tell us a little bit about how you set out on this journey and how you really manage operating at this level, but also continuing to be true to who you are and living life on your terms. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I think it's only fitting that we start the story in Alabama. And so for all of the listeners that's from all over the world, we're going to bring you to sweet home Alabama. (laughs) So (laughs) I actually was raised in Dothan, Alabama. I went to college at an HBCU in Huntsville, Alabama. Thoroughly enjoyed my experience growing up down south. After I graduated, I received a degree in computer science, and I ended up receiving a job at IBM Global Services in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so a girl from Alabama that at that time I had not traveled very much, I I think only a couple states. It was really, really scary 
to think about moving to the Midwest. And I can remember my mom telling me that if Minneapolis was good enough for Prince, surely it was good enough for me. <laughs> I love Prince. That's fantastic. When I found out Prince lived there, I was like, okay, I'll take the job. So that's how Prince influenced my first job. Um, so it. I moved to Minneapolis. Uh, I worked at IBM. I was there for almost five years. IBM Global Services was an amazing company in terms of just professional development, how much they poured into their employees. But I realized for me personally at IBM, maybe about two or three years into the job, I had a big problem on my hands. And that was I chose a career with little to no regard for passion or purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Being at that time, I was very young and I thought the answer to not being fulfilled was figuring out a way to earn more fast. Mm -hmm. And I literally went to my manager and said, how do I make more money and how do I do this extremely fast? And she told me if I went back and worked on my master's, it would push me up into a different trajectory pretty fast. So I went back and started working on my master's and there was a professor at University of St. Thomas His name was Charlie Bison, and he gave an assignment that changed my life. It actually set me on my path of on my own terms. And the assignment that he did, he asked us to examine every major decision we had made in life up until that point and to look more deeply at the driving forces that led us to choosing those choices. And no one had ever posed a question to me like that. I took the assignment extremely serious. I walked away with the aha and the aha was at up until that point, the driving factor for my major life decisions was all tied around earning potential. And the why behind that was I didn't want to struggle. You know, I I definitely grew up in a home where we had to be budget conscious. I can definitely remember you know, Christmas times of not being able to get everything that I wanted, being mindful of bills. It it really, from a psychological standpoint, I was trying to design a life of what I didn't want. And that was struggle. Mm -hmm. And I walked away from that moment saying, done with that. I want to now try and design a life where passion and purpose lead the way. And that set me on my on my own terms journey. But I'll pause to see if you have any questions around that. Okay, love it. Thank (laughs) you for the pause, because, you know, I was biting my lip about seven times while you were talking. (laughs) How many of us have started our careers in this exact same way? We grew up in environments where there was a scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset. We saw by example that when there was money and abundance, there was happiness and joy and peace, big time air quotes there. When there was a lack, there was the stress and the pain and the worry. And so for so many of us growing up in that kind of environment, we learned to think about acquiring a certain echelon of accolades, achievements, monetary fiscal security as the path to living out what we're here to do. And once we get there or once we begin on our journey there, it unearths an entire other slew of questions that aren't quite as simple as that. They aren't quite as clear as we think in the beginning of our career. 
So I think that you setting out with that mindset is such a classic moment for so many of us. And yet, think about the context that you have, Tanisha, just like I do, that they started on one path without really thinking it through. And they didn't have the audacity or the courage or just the energy to rethink it, to pause, to pivot, to reinvent. So so what do you think it was for you that when you had that assignment and when you, as you got into your career a little bit further down the line, what was it that allowed you to have the courage and the audacity and the, the bravery to really dive into searching down a career that gave you more of that sense of meaning and purpose? Well, I think there's a quote that says, and her name is Anais Nin. Mm-hmm. The quote is, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And that quote for me and sums up the what made it worth it to take the risk to blossom versus staying safe. So continuing to not be fulfilled and going to work every day kind of on this hamster wheel and complaining. Oh God, I was doing so much complaining. You know, when you wake up on Monday morning and you don't want to go to work and on Sunday you start to feel the blues. Like I was in that cycle and my parents actually told me it was so bad. They told me that I could no longer call them on Sundays and complain anymore. And they really kind of reflected back to me. We don't know if you know this, but this is your routine. You call us every Sunday and just dump on us of how much you don't want to go to work. And so that was sort of like an interruption of like my cycle of complaining. But it was also an interruption that says, do something about it. Redesign. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that moment combined with me realizing the risk to stay here is more painful than the risk to blossom. I also call the moment now, what I wrote about called the big stretch. It's basically this moment where there will be an expansion that is required of you to become the next version of yourself. And when you're faced with, do I stay or do I expand beyond the comfort zone and move in the directions of my passion, purpose, and dreams, that is a very fearful moment. But it's also a part of a universal truth of a dreamer's experience. There is always that moment where you're kind of called to say, there's more, there's more. And if you answer and say yes to the stretch, in my opinion, it was well worth it, but it takes courage. It takes bravery. And a lot of people ask me that question. The only way you will become comfortable being uncomfortable is you got to practice the muscle of being uncomfortable and doing it when, when those moments are before you. Mm, it's so good. And the word stretch is the word. I mean, I just had a conversation yesterday with a member of my team and I kind of did what you did with your parents with your Sunday scaries. And I was just, we've been best friends for 20 years. She runs my entire company 
And I just dumped on her and I was just complaining and whining and everything's hard and everything's scary and then all this stuff. And I don't do that very often. I am a glass half full kind of gal. I'm a motivational speaker. I'm very spiritual. Like I'm very blessed to have done a lot of work, but that's not typically how I roll through my day. But it was just one of those days, right? And she had the best response. She looked at me, she goes, are you finished? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, can I respond now? I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, when you're stretching to the next level, what'd you think it was going to feel like? Ooh. I was like, I looked at her and I was like, this is why you, I'm so lucky to have you by my side on this journey because there is this element where we know that leveling up is painful because it's new. It's uncomfortable. It's a place we haven't been before. And yet, why is it that when we begin to dig in, we begin to activate that next level purpose? Why are we always surprised by just how challenging it is? And that's where I believe that doing this work in advance prior to finding yourself at that intersection of stay where it's safe or grow where it's scary can make all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy to hear that you're in a stretch right now yourself. Mm. Well, I think just like you, Tanisha, I've lived a couple different lives and my backstory, I have a couple different companies that I started Two were very expensive, uh, exhausting failures. The third one finally took off, ran it for 10 years, agency, just like you. And we were acquired last year, which was amazing. And when you get to the top of a certain peak that you've defined as success, then you're like, this is amazing. And then you kind of take a minute, right? And then it's the hedonic treadmill where you ask yourself, okay, so now what? And mm-hmm. for me, really expanding our sales and leadership training company, our keynotes, building a community, writing a new book, all of this thought leadership around um, my Get More Yes platform, which is Persuasion Influence Sales. It's been incredible. And we've been digging, 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 trying to get momentum. And it's funny because everything we've been striving to do, like the wheel is finally really turning. Like I'm at the point that I've been pushing, 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 pushing. And then something in me is sort of seeing that we're about to to level up. And instead of diving in deeper, which you would think like, this is what you've worked for, this is what it's all been about. But when you get there and you stare it right between the pupils, there's an <laughs> element of you that almost knows better because you've been there before. And I have been just like stutter stepping, second guessing myself, my inner mean girl, Regina George, just saying terrible things, my internal monologue. And, and so I think all of us as entrepreneurs, leaders, just like yourself, it's this moment where you have to just decide what's this going to look like? And not just what are you going to do, but how do you want to feel? Because anyone can grab a gear and grab a gear and grab a gear until we burn ourselves out. That is something that we all know how to do. If if you're any kind of high performer entrepreneur, like we've grabbed the gear until we've lost our hair. Okay, we get it. And once you've done it a couple rounds, you know better, but you also know actually what it's going to take. And so dreaming becomes this interesting hybrid of, what's possible combined with the knowledge of your past experience of just how damn hard it is. And so what I find to be is almost like this war 
it's it's a it's a battle between my rational practical been there done that i know this is going to take and then that beautiful juicy glittery pinterest coffee cup side mm. of you that does wonder what else is possible and so i think that's just a tension that we all have to deal with i mean is that something that you've gone through that you've been dealing with at all or absolutely man you i i got to take my notebook out you just dropped so many nuggets so um, well, actually, I am going to write this down because I, I want to circle back to something that you said about stretching, but I'll circle back to that. But for now, the question around this notion of dreaming, and then I'm going to say dreaming responsibly. Mm. Absolutely. I think, you know, the more you acquire or the additional responsibilities you have, that is almost the responsibility can almost become the weight that prohibits you from even thinking about what would it feel like to fly. Mm. So like the more responsibilities, whether it's, you know, you have kids now, you have a career, you're married, you have, you know, you know, other bigger obligations, those responsibilities that gets louder and louder and the more far-fetched a lofty dream can seem. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, in my book, The Big Stretch, where I've had a chance to interview 200 iconic dreamers, as well as pull from my 20 year dream journey. The very first phase is all about dreaming. And that is basically saying from you to you, you must give yourself space, time and permission to dream freely and imagine and you really got to make that become a muscle because it's very easy to just do, do, do. But one thing that I found in interviewing some of these iconic dreamers like a Magic Johnson or a Jennifer Fleiss who created Rent the Runway, they actually were very self-aware that they knew these are the things that bring me into a creative space where I get my best ideas. And so, yes, it's always important to sort of have the duality, especially as we get more responsibilities. You do want to be a responsible person, but it is also so very important that you're giving yourself the space and time to dream freely because it's where those great ideas will come up. And I always encourage the dreamer, do not start thinking about how to prematurely. Because if you start thinking about the how to prematurely, you will start shrinking your dreams before they even have a chance to get off the ground. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I encourage dreamers to dream freely. Going back to my journey now, you know, when I decided to leave IBM Global Services and I wrote that resignation, I actually gave myself time to imagine back then. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, you know, I'm passionate about entertainment. I'm passionate about pop culture. What if I could recreate a life in which I can have a role in these industries? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I did a lot of dreaming without limits. I actually told my mom, mom, I want you to time me. I am going to meet someone that is going to change the trajectory of my career. And this person is going to be so big. I'm only going to have like 30 seconds for my pitch. I had no idea who I was going to meet. Love it. Love <laughs> I it. But I literally had her timing me. And I was doing this as if it was my job. And, and, and it gets urgent, you know, when you quit your job and you don't have another job. But anyway, 
I when I think back to that time, my imagination around possibilities, mm. it was like boundless. And sure enough, I actually ended up meeting Kamora Simmons and Russell Simmons, Russell in particular. Wow. And I had this pitch ready. I had the pitch ready because I was dreaming freely. And I went up and, and basically the pitch was I have five years of corporate experience. I know right now pop culture you all are doing a great, you know, many brand deals. I'm willing to work for no fee in exchange for an opportunity to learn from you all. And wow. um, yeah, and, and that was the pitch. I pitched myself several times and finally I landed an opportunity to volunteer. Long story short, I kind of learned the, the business of pop culture, entertainment. I also was really learning multicultural communities, societal issues impacting multicultural communities. That led me into my next, which was really combining my profession and my purpose and my passion into mm -hmm. one. I worked alongside Kamora and Russell for a number of years and then later fully dedicated my time to now my company, Igami Group, which is a multicultural agency headquartered in New York. And we work with Fortune 50, Fortune 100 brands to create multicultural campaigns, supporting these brands in reaching diverse audiences. But what I love about it is also supporting the brands and showing up and doing good works in the world mm -hmm. that are leaving meaningful impact in multicultural communities. And when I wake up now, I mean, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. So Aaron, trust me, I wake up and there's problems all over my desk. It yes. really is. Yep. But you know what? When I wake up, there's still this sense of excitement. Mm. It's a sense of, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And like, I am leaving, I'm using this short amount of time that we have here on earth. I know I'm using it on purpose. I know mm. that. I know I'm living on purpose. You and, give me chills. Yeah. I, I I love that. And, and and you can the beautiful thing about what you just said is you can't fake that. You can't mm. fake that conveyance of joy and that consonance, that alignment, that flow, your chi, your zone, your vibe, whatever you call it. It's impossible for someone to articulate it without the feeling behind it. And, and I really, when you said that, I, I felt it. And mm -hmm. I think that that is, it's so beautiful because like being in love, like being healthy, like these utopian euphoric states that we all seek on some level, you know, operating in flow on purpose, it's not a permanent state. It's a mm -hmm. state that is very hard to achieve, but that also takes so much work and love and it's ups and downs and it's different seasons and it's highs and lows but ultimately with an eye on always trying to anchor back on spending as much time as you can whatever you want to call it your zone of genius you know spending as much time as you can doing what only you can do in your way and when you find yourself able to manage the time despite the problems despite the client fires despite life doing its thing when you find yourself in those those wild moments of utopia where you are operating in that sense of what you were supposed to do here on earth there is no other 
feeling like it. It's, it reminds me of people talking about like a runner's high, which I've only had one time. I don't know if you're a runner, but like, I'm always mm-hmm. like, who in the hell would have like an amazing euphoric experience while they're running? That's insane. Well, I had it one time during the race where I literally felt so energized after running for an hour and a half. It was this burst of energy. My breathing slowed. It was nuts. And I realized, oh, this is a real thing, but you have to push through and hustle and work and focus and believe to ever have the opportunity to experience this place that can sound kind of cliche, can sound kind of impossible, can sound kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're operating in your purpose or you got the runner's hat. Sure you did. But once you actually experience it, you cross over, right? And you're like, oh, this is real. Okay. How do I engineer more of this on purpose as opposed to finding myself stumbling in and just enjoying the ride, which is great. But how do we, how do we have a little more agency over activating those moments, right? And I love that you brought up Russell Simmons because I have my own Russell Simmons story. Oh boy. <laughs> my husband and I were actually a couple of years ago, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, we decided to drive across the country and just do a road trip and see the country and go visit our family in North Carolina. And we were driving through Texas, which if you've driven across the country ever, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but Texas is half the trip. It's like the biggest state ever. It takes days and days to drive to Texas. So we're driving and my husband puts on an audiobook. And the audiobook is Russell Simmons, The Happy Vegan. I don't know if you've read his book or, or heard it before. But keep in mind, we are driving through Texas, which is the land of smokehouses and barbecues. And we are listening to Russell Simmons. And he is so persuasive in this book that by the time we had gotten halfway through Texas, he was talking all about, you know, the environment and your body and your mind and the poor animals and all this stuff. So we're halfway through Texas and I have always been a meat eater. I am at the best steakhouses on planet earth and I am getting the saddest little garden salads because Russell Simmons convinced me I had to be a vegan, which I was for like five years. It was an incredible, like awesome, like experiment. And the way he explains it is very compelling actually, but love me some Russell Simmons is the point of that story. Wow. Um, Yes. But bringing it back. So, so what do you think it is for you and your experience? If you had a junior member of your team, let's just say, and they were feeling the tug, like let's say that your company is the IBM, right? And they're on your team and they're feeling the tug, but they aren't quite sure if this is just a normal level of restlessness because at the end of the day, no matter how inflow we are, work is still work. Mm-hmm. A job is still the paycheck, right? Like. Like the fiscal responsibility is still real, even if the world's most incredible dream jobs like we have, which is, you know, keynote speaking and writing books. There are still days where you're like, dang, this is a grind. And you have to remind yourself how 10 years ago you would kill to be doing what today you is doing. Right. But how do you coach someone on your team like that to help them figure out, like, is this the dream that is in them and it's for them? Or is it like an escapism type of psychology because there's just a wanderlust in all of us that helps us to just deal with sometimes the monotony of just like an everyday responsibility. Like how do you help them draw that line in the sand? Well, 
The first thing that I would do, oh my God, no one has ever asked me that question too. Like, what do you do for the young person where you're now their IBM? God, I never thought about it in that way. But one thing that our team members hear me talk about all the time is striving to find the alignment between your profession and your purpose. So purpose and profession. And then we, we made up a word. I think we call it profession. That's why you heard me struggle on the first one. Love it. So love it. And I share my personal story around if you can find an alignment between those two, how it does make the journey just so much more fulfilling. And if you think about the amount of hours in a week and how many hours you spend with your working team versus your family, you spend more time with your working team than your family. Yeah. And that is like, whoa, when you start to really think about where you're spending the bulk of your time. And so I always tell them, because you're spending so much time in this, you know, let's make it count and strive to try to find that alignment. That means being curious. That means pausing and doing some kind of like internal alignment check where Mm -hmm. you are kind of assessing your own internal fulfillment. And it's okay if it's not okay. Like you got to know sometimes discovering your purpose is by discovering what it's not. Soledad O'Brien has the best story in this. So, you know, Soledad, she is an award-winning journalist. She's now creating content and documentaries. She actually started as a medical student. She thought she wanted to be a doctor and she learned in med school, this is what it's not. But she always Mm. talked about She doesn't regret that time because sometimes the journey of discovering who you are and what you're supposed to become, you need to discover what it's not along the way. So even in those moments, if you realize and you got to be honest with yourself, this isn't it, you can still approach that from a grateful place of, but now that I know it's not this, then I'm closer to maybe knowing what it is Mm. or I'm more self-aware. I would tell the talent within my office, if they were having that moment, you owe it to yourself to figure out what's the next. And we have something that I call Igami for life. And it is, you know, Igami is this special place that you, you come, it, it feels family oriented, you're doing meaningful work, but it also has been a place where people have had to come and then they discover something about themselves and they go. As a leader, I've had to learn, be okay with the flow. You know, years ago, I would want to cling. I would want to hold on to talent. And it's just not the case. It's okay for, for our organization to realize everyone's in a flow. And I'd love it. Like if, if, it's not Igami and they need to figure out what their what's next is. I want to know then how can we support you in that what's next? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, the talent will know when the season is up. If you just listen to yourself and, and be honest with yourself. And then another thing I do tell people is don't always assume that it means time is up. I have to go. It could mean time is up. It's time for me to recreate a new job right where I am. Mm -hmm. And there I have a friend. Her name's Tracy. She's been at this agency for, I think, 12 to 13 years. And I talked to her and I said, Tracy, tell me something. Why have you been there so long? And she said, well, every four years I give myself a new job. 
And, you know, being the captains of your own ship, your own career, you can also redesign and create a new job right where you are. Now, that's going to mean you you have a partnership with your manager. You're expressing your passions. You're showing a picture of where you see yourself in the next two to three years. You are actively kind of building your next where you are. So I also encourage people to take a look there as well. It doesn't always mean pack your bags. It's time to go. It could mean it's time to have a really, really serious conversation with my 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 boss about my future and how I am reimagining my role to add greater value right where I am, but making sure that it's a reciprocal and I'm getting what I need to get out of it as well. Mm. Well, I can tell you right now, there is someone listening to this podcast that needed to hear that message because so often we glamorize the all or nothing. It's our dream job and we're obsessed or we're quitting and moving on, or we're going to find happiness there or fulfillment there. Or no, if we just go over there, then we'll find our purpose. But the reality is, as my Nana always says, sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil that you don't. And we're not saying that anyone's company is a devil, but like there is an element there of, yes, but you have these relationships and you've built these bridges and you know them and they know you and there's a level of trust. So does it always have to be this Jerry Maguire dramatic moment or is there a reinvention opportunity within the confines of your existing environment? Love that so, so much. So good. Okay. So for your book, I really want everyone to pick it up. We're going to link to it. What would you say is one of the most tweeted or quoted or that you get feedback on from your book? Like what's one of your like Tanisha-isms that everyone's like, oh my gosh, like I just love when you said this. Like I, I know in my book, I have a handful where people just, you, you hear it, you know, it comes up more than the rest of the book. Is there an element of your book that you feel like people just really anchor on that would be a, a fantastic sort of teaser to drive people to go pick it up, which they should? Yes. Oftentimes people will come up to me and say, you know, when you said the dream is not just about you, that it just hit them. And when I say that, oftentimes you think I got to find my dream, my dream, my dream. And you're thinking through the lens of me, 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 me. However, great dreams that are given to you, which they almost become like, I, I, I say you're the vessel that brings the dream to life. Dreams come into this world with a purpose. And those dreams are typically tied to service. So it's serving the world, it's serving communities, it's serving other people. And once you ground yourself in the purpose of the dream and knowing that that purpose of the dream is tied to others, there's a greater level of understanding as well as commitment to the dream because you know it's not just about you. And the example that I would give here is I can remember about four years ago, it was time for me to get another office space in New York City. And I'm walking around New York City real estate is something else. But I, I remember standing in this very empty, you know, pretty large office space footprint. It was concrete. Nothing was there. And I knew this is it. And I can remember a couple people that were kind of advising me at the time saying, you don't need this much office space. Like, you don't need, like, your team isn't this big. 
but I knew in my heart, I'm going to need this space for people. People are coming to join forces with us and they're going to need a creator space to create. And we're going to need this. And I moved forward anyway. Fast forward, last month, we're doing this vision meeting with the full company. My husband, who is also my business partner, comes out and I said, why are you standing? And he said, because there's not a seat in the building. And like, that was a full circle moment of, I looked around and there wasn't an empty seat. There wasn't a place. It wasn't an empty seat. And I thought to myself, I am so glad that I stood in this empty concrete space four or five years ago and I followed my gut that we were going to need this space. Well, all of those team members that now have a seat, they were waiting on me to make that decision because their seat would also be within my dream and it's now our dream. So good. So when you connect to the dream is not just about you and you maybe pose your question of who's waiting on your dream, Mm. who is, who needs you to act because they need, like your, your dream is going to serve them in some way that will keep you connected to the why it will keep you going in the hard times. Like Aaron, when you said you were talking to your best friend and your business leader, that why will keep you going in those moments. A hundred percent. Oh, so juicy, so spicy, so good. I love it so much. And I think when it comes to really evaluating our why and, and making sure that everything is mapping back to that, I think also to Tanisha is it's okay if there are different iterations of that service. And I think that I think that there is something to be said for reevaluating the individuals in your inner circle that in certain seasons might need to lean on you harder than normal or they might need you to really frame your efforts and your energy and your expertise in a way that they need in that chapter of their life. And I think it's okay for us to also reevaluate. Like if you have helped them to fly baby bird fly, it's okay to sort of pause. And I I like to do it every, whenever I start to feel like this, like I just articulated to you with my, uh, my best friend, Ashley, whenever I start to feel a little bit, like I described earlier with like the responsible dreaming anxiety, I'd like to stop and do exactly what you said, which is, are the ones that need us the most? Are, is it still them? Do they mm. still need the same service from me? Do I need to dial it up, dial it down? And is it matching up with what I'm actually really talented at doing? Or is it time to set them free or connect them with somebody else and then start kind of back at the blank page and say to myself, like, that was wonderful for that time. What's now and what's next? So I love that it's almost like this living, breathing mission statement that is rooted in service, but there can be different iterations of it as you go through the seasons of life. You know what I mean? Oh, I love it. That's good. That was really good. Oh my gosh. Well, you're so wonderful. And I cannot wait for everyone to read your book. And where should they go for more of you? Instagram, TikTok, website, where where do they go to get more? So you can go to IG and my IG is Tanisha J. Warner. Okay. We'll link to um, it in the show notes too. We'll link to it. And that's where, you know, I, I talk the most about life and all that good stuff. You can also go to thebigstretchbook.com. 
And if you want to download some of the exercises that are in my book and start working on your dreams today, I I really did write the book in a way that it's a boot camp. So it's not just a read. It's like interactive. You got to work on your dream along the way. I would encourage the, the listeners to go there and just download some of the exercises first. If the exercises are helpful to you, then you can purchase the book anywhere books are sold. And that's the big stretch. Mm, So good, Tanisha. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your brilliance and your experiences. Your story is fantastic. These exercises are going to be so helpful for our listeners to check out. We will link to everything in the show notes. I followed you on Instagram. I can't wait to see you on the gram and hopefully maybe in real life in Alabama or New York or somewhere where hopefully our paths cross. So thank you again. It was so lovely to see you and I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Same here. Talk soon. Thanks, Tanisha. Thank you so much for investing your heart, your mind, of course, your time with me here today. And it is my deepest hope that you have gleaned at least a few new nuggets on how to better live a life that you love on your terms. You can subscribe to see all of my weekly episodes. And if you have time, you can send a screenshot of your review of the podcast to onyourterms at erinking.com and you'll be sent a free access pass to my digital persuasion masterclass where you'll learn how to attract attention, increase your influence and sell smarter from behind the screen. I hope that you'll join me next week for another episode of On Your Terms. And until then, let's connect on Instagram at mrs.aaron.king. Till next time, friends.